podcast. Ricky, it's been a little while, buddy, but we are back in business. It's you and I know Andrew, but that is all good. What's going on? Yeah, we haven't recorded a pod in, it's been like Two three and a half weeks. weeks, almost three yeah. weeks. Yep. Um, and there's a lot to talk about. And we were actually just talking about this before we press record. And I think today we're fo- going to focus strictly on football stuff. Um, that's near and dear to our readers and our listeners hearts more so than basketball, as much as people might not like me saying that. So we'll handle basketball next time. Uh, but for this one, I think there's a lot to talk about on the football side of things, both, um, roster heading into next season. And we can touch on the guys who were drafted and the guys who signed after the draft as well. And, um, see if we, see if we have any thoughts on those guys. Yeah. Um, we're presented by main street pharmacy. So let's start there. Shout out Jeremy, um, and the good folks over there at main street pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Um, I, I know we're coming into a slower time of year around Virginia tech, obviously post-graduation into the summer. Um, but when school starts to ramp up football season around the corner later this summer, you know, make sure you get all your school supplies, medicine, anything you need, go visit Jeremy. Um, they, they treat you better than those mainstream pharmacies will treat you. So <laughs> main, main street pharmacy instead. What do you think that Ricky? Work that in. Um, Andrew's Andrew's missing out, man. Like if he, if he was able to hear that, uh, I think he'd be very, very proud of you. I worked it in somehow. Um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll end it there. Cause I don't want to mess up a good ad read. I'll, I'll quit while I'm ahead. So yeah, main street pharmacy, go, go check them out in downtown Blacksburg. Ciao, Jeremy. Appreciate his support of the podcast. Ricky, what were your takeaways? Oh, and your cam- camera came back on. <laughs> I, I fixed it. Um, so for those who for those who are listening, we we're, we're having an issue with my camera uh, coming in here, and uh, I have the the uh, imminent hard drive failure coming on this laptop. So your boy's gonna have to get a new machine soon. But I was trying to fix, like I was doing some research on the camera stuff, and I I, I updated something really quick, and boom. You can see my ugly mug now, so we can we can uh, more efficiently talk about this this football program. Your hair might be, the and you can also I've ever you can seen also, in my entire life. It may be what that your hair might be the longest I've ever seen, dude. I I've been growing it out a little bit up top and like and like pushing it off to the side. Looks good, and yeah, and I'm also growing out the facial hair a little bit. Basically, I'm turning into a bum. I I think that that's the the only good takeaway, but. I've got a Hardywood fighting Hokies here, so beautiful. I can't be but so bad. It's a good beer, yeah. It as far is. as beers go, it's a good beer. Very, very quality. Easy drink, easy drink. Um, cool. What were your takeaways from spring game? It's been a few weeks. Um, we had a lot going on, but we're back and we're talking about the football program. And now that we're kind of past the spring game, we're seeing guys start to transfer out of the program. Um, This past Monday was the deadline for players to transfer out and still be eligible for next season. So, you know, while Monday was the last day players could transfer out, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you start to actually see the names in the portal, you know, for coaches. Um, So what were your takeaways from the spring game itself at a high level and let's dive into the roster a little bit too 
Well, I think the only takeaway is that uh, Brent Pry has no idea what he's doing. No, in all seriousness, um, the the offense is going to need some work, and we knew that going in. Um, I feel I feel really bad for for Jason Brown. Like that man got the short end of the stick, and he, he like he could not have been any shorter. No help. Um, yeah, n- no help whatsoever. Uh, and with that said, I, I still do believe that Grant Wells is the guy. Um, he's, he's got a higher ceiling He's going to be around longer. He looked better in this practice. Um, Jason Brown definitely showed some ability to create, which is a, a huge plus especially for an offensive line that's probably going to go through their aches and pains in year one. But Grant Wells has really good arm talent, and I caught a lot of flack during the spring game. I don't know if you joined in or not, Mike, um, about the – I didn't. I didn't because my dog dog was having issues. I I missed – I I had sat down. I was ready to watch the entire spring game. I got to cut in and tell the story just real fast. I sat down, ready to watch the spring game. And I looked down and my dog was like biting at his back leg. I was like, that's a little weird. He doesn't usually do that. And like, I like checked him and he had like this really bad rash on the inside of his back left leg. And to the point where like later that evening, we took, we ended up taking him to vet. I missed all of spring game live and I had to go back and watch it. But um, we took him to vet and he actually was having trouble walking. He was kind of like limping around later that night. Like after we got back from the vet, the emergency vet, they gave him like a powder to put on his leg. I spent like way more than I should have to get him looked at. And he, they didn't really fix the issue. So Monday we got to the vet. It was the, the regular vet, way cheaper than the emergency vet. And he got good care. But anyway, I missed almost the entire spring game live. So in terms of your tweet, no, I, in all likelihood, I did not jump in on, on whatever, whatever tweet you're about there to were, discuss here. There were definitely some people and, I made the comparison that Grant Wells gave me Ryan Willis vibes. Um, I remember this now. And I, I I don't think that's, that's really off base. Like he's, he's got plus arm talent in terms of velocity, um, his ability to get the ball downfield. He throws it with a tight zip. Um, He's a bit more athletic than Ryan Willis. Although I think Willis was a bit, more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, but given Grant Wells' track record at Marshall, he's going to take chances. And some of those chances are going to go the other way. So um, given the very, very limited look that I've had at Ryan Willis, or excuse me, at Grant Wells, it feels a lot like Ryan Willis. That was a, a Freudian slip there, Mike. Ryan Willis giving you Grant Wells vibes. <laughs> Ass backwards on that. Um, I, you know what? I did. I do remember that tweet now. You did get killed for it, and I think it was unwarranted. <laughs> I did. I, I, I don't. It, it wasn't really like a a bad thing. Like, sure, Willis had his issues at Tech, um, but last season, I think Tech fans would have murdered someone to have Ryan Willis as their quarterback. Like, yep. I mean, he, I, I, I don't know. Like, 
I think Grant Wells can be better than Ryan Willis. I don't know if that makes people feel any better, but in terms of like the play style and the kinds of results you're going to get, I think Ryan Willis is a pretty fair comp, it, it, all things considered. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned Jason Brown kind of being up against it. And, that was know. just not fair. I mean, my man was running for his life, like from the yeah. first snap and um he he just got absolutely screwed like from just all, all the guys around him you know and i i was hoping that we would see him and wells a bit more in the second half and instead mm-hmm. we saw them none in the second half because yeah. i wanted to see jason brown play with the other team right yeah and I see we didn't him get like that most of the starters on the offensive line yeah, that, that was the main thing. Like, there, he just had no protection whatsoever. And yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to give the, the Hokies' defensive line all that much credit because the depth along this Virginia Tech offensive line is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Virginia Tech has had a lot of recruiting misses on the offensive line over the last two years, and those are really coming home to roost right now. Um, I think they have a relatively decent starting five. Yep. I don't know that they're going to be a plus, but I don't think there'll be a minus necessarily. But that second group has caught a lot of catching up to do and a lot of maturing. They are not ready. Uh, and the the offensive line is very susceptible to injury issues because the guys behind them just aren't going to be able to get it done, I don't think. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about as well. I'm concerned about Virginia Tech in the trenches, right? Because there's only so much you can take out of the spring game. Um, you know, defense usually a bit bit ahead of the offense. And it's the spring. It didn't feel that way, at least when Grant Wells was was playing. I mean, the the offense and the defense were trading punches. Yes, um, agree. And, you know, to, to Wells' credit, he noticed a couple coverage breakdowns for those deep uh, deep throws to Caleb Smith, uh, which we'll talk about Breon Murray later on, but, um, Yikes. yeah, the, the defense is certainly ahead of the offense, I think into, in totality, but, um, the, the, the depth on this Virginia tech offense is, is just missing. It, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, just to round out the quarterback discussion real quick, I feel better about the state of Virginia Tech's quarterbacks compared to last year. Now, how much am I really saying there? <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I, I'm, I feel I feel a little bit better right now. I reserve the right to change that statement yes, after the first few of weeks of the year because I don't think there's that much of a difference. But I think the um, I think the chances are higher that Grant Wells is going to play at a at a relatively high level than they were last year with Braxton Burmeister. I, I, I feel a lot more confident about Grant Wells leading the offense and being able to get the ball down the field than Braxton Burmeister doing it. We reserve the right to change our minds, but as of right now, I feel a hell of a lot better about the state of quarterback room than I did a year and, ago. And, 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 and if it's Jason Brown, just consi- you know, considering what we saw in the spring game, I feel about the same with him mm-hmm. and Braxton Burmeister. I know Burmeister... Mm-hmm is a far better athlete, but Jason Brown can throw the ball far better than Braxton Burmeister can. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Offensive line's a concern. Um, 
and you basically hit on the points I was going to discuss, like the starting, the starting five up front, probably fine. It's when you start talking about, okay, if there's an injury up front, like where is Virginia Tech going to turn primarily? Especially, at, yeah, I was about to say, especially on the edges. Yeah, the, the edges where I'm concerned. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech, arguably Virginia Tech's, one of Virginia Tech's better performances with like the second team offensive line was Jack Hollifield. And he is a redshirt freshman. <laughs> And he's so, very undersized. And he's very, very undersized. undersized. Right. So, I mean, he's probably not playing tackle. So what are we, what are we doing here in terms of the offensive line? I'm hoping Virginia Tech gets into the portal, you know, um, this summer and is able to, you know, add a graduate transfer to, um, to help at least with the depth. Or maybe um, if they're, they're able to get, you know, someone who's a first, second year guy in the program elsewhere that just hasn't been able to break into the two deep. Right someone with some legitimate, you know, upside at tackle, you know, long-term just to get someone in the pipeline there because Silas Danzi has gone after the year. Um, and there is no, no clear, uh, replacement no. for him. None. Um, and I know Virginia tech's been, been hitting the trail hard from a recruiting standpoint. I know there are a couple offensive linemen already in the boat, which is good, but Virginia tech really needs help up front. Brent Pry is aware of that they're they've kind of made no bones about it that they yeah. really need to get themselves some depth up front so it seems pretty obvious to the coaching staff kind of where the holes are on the offense um a couple other takeaways real quick so it seems to me like we have a pretty solid running back rotation in terms of maybe not in terms of production but in terms of like we know who's going to be back there it does seem like Jalen Holston's going to get another shot. It seems like Keyshawn King is going to get another shot. It seems like Bryce Duke could be in the mix. Chance Black could be in the mix. Um, we know Malachi Thomas was hurt for spring game, but we know what his role is. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about, you know, the state of the running back room right now? They've had a ton of transfers at that position, like way, way down the depth chart. See, I had the exact opposite takeaway from the spring game as it relates to kind of the skill positions overall like I don't think there's any clarity as to what the rotations are going to look like um at any of the positions I I have no idea what tight end looks like this um this season Nick Gallo is is the guy at least on paper but I don't I don't know it I don't know what what that position what that that role is going to be in the offense uh, right. I have no idea what the rotation at running back is going to look like. There's no way that there's five guys getting carries. So no, I, I do think. It, how does I it get pared down? Who, you know, who's going to be shuffled into a specialty role? Um, who's going to be your first and second down back? Um, there's there's too many ki- too many chefs in the kitchen in that spot right now. And I know that they've had some transfers, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. but um, I still don't feel like the running back room is very settled at all. I, I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to have some clarity at the beginning of the season, but for now, I, I don't really know what that room looks like. Yeah. Historically. Well, just in terms of like how the snap, the snaps are going to break. Down. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, I'm totally with you there in terms of, um, Tyler Bowen's offense, at least when we've seen him call plays in the past, we've seen him utilize three running backs, which 
you know, conventional wisdom is probably telling me some combination of Holston Thomas and Kushan King. Um, because, and I say that only because, and, and again, this, I could be totally wrong with that, but I say that because I think they're trying Chance Black at receiver a little bit. I mean, Brent Pry mentioned that they're trying to move him, move him around a bit. And Bryce Duke is a freshman, so maybe they try to they try to redshirt him. Um, so that would be my guess. Like if the season started tomorrow, like maybe those are the three. But I mean, my I, I feel a little bit better about like what the running back rotation is going to be, or at least like who's going to be getting snaps versus the receiving core where. I'm still not really sure. Like, I know Caleb Smith's going to play. I know Dewan Lofton's going to play. But, like, what's Virginia Tech doing at the other receiver spots? I mean, they they bring in Jaden Blue, but he didn't get a ton of reps with the first-team offense. I didn't get any reps with the first-team offense. He's on the white team, right? At least we thought it was the first-team offense playing for Maroon. Um, they did have things moved around a little bit. I, I think Nick Gallo was on the uh, on the white team. I could be mistaken, but Norrell Pollard I, also defensively. I think they had some starters mixed in on both sides, but it definitely felt like the majority of the ones were on the maroon team. Um, right. But no, I I feel more comfortable with the running back room than the receiver room. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Um. Caleb Smith had some nice plays in this game, uh, but Looks we've, seen it, we've seen enough of Caleb Smith to know what he is. Right. Uh, Caleb is always going to struggle getting separation. Um, yeah, he's you know a, a a very physical player who historically has very consistent hands and doesn't drop passes. Um. And he's a great blocker on the perimeter. And those are all valuable things. But a lot of times, especially when you're getting manned up, uh, and this is going to happen when you're playing teams that are above your talent level, you need guys that can get separation. And Caleb just isn't that guy. Um, he's a possession receiver. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's okay. It's just p- people shouldn't be expecting him to be a burner downfield this year. Like, that's all I'm trying to say. Like because he, he had two touchdowns in the spring. Yeah, game. because he because he dusted Breon Murray, who's had his own issues throughout yeah. his tenure at Tech. Um, I did not see much of Jaden Blue, which was disappointing. I was really hoping that they would work him into the offense a bit more, although I think part of that is because the offensive line on that team was uh, horrendous, to put it mildly. Um, I am a big fan of Dwayne Lofton. I think he's going to be good. Um, but outside of those guys, it, it's just a crapshoot. Like there's no, there's no depth there at all. And this is, this is just kind of the general uh, trend with this roster. And we shouldn't really be surprised. I mean, Justin Fuente has been struggling to recruit and develop talent at Virginia tech for years now. Yeah. And um, Brent Pry has not had a chance to backfill those holes yet and that's why chance black might be getting a look at wide receiver but um this this offense in general except for the quarterback position has little to no experience on the bench and there's going to be a lot of growing pains this year and i just think people need to uh need to prepare themselves for that i agree 
Uh, let's move to the defense because I kind of have the same questions up front that I do with the offense. Like, what's Virginia Tech doing from a depth perspective up front on the defensive line? Um, I worry about this team in the trenches, Rick, on, on both sides of the football. Like, that's where my real concerns are. I mean, there are other concerns too, but like, that's my real concern. And once again, like we just talked about with the offensive line, not the starters that I'm concerned about. It's, it's the depth. It's, it's the guys behind the starters, um, especially, and, and we talked about the edges, right, on the offensive line, especially defensive end. Like, what's, what's that going to look like? That, that, those are kind of the questions I have coming out of spring. Yeah, I, Taiwan Garbett's pretty solidified there at, at, at defensive end. But even in that regard, Taiwan Garbett has not been an overly explosive pass rusher in his, in his, his tenure. He's been, you know, a reliable player and, you know, he's been someone that, you know, it, it isn't going to lose you games, but he's not really winning you games either. Right. Um, I, I, I the same, the same note, although at, at ends, I, I don't know who's going to start opposite Garbett. I don't know if it's Cole Nelson. I don't know if it's Feldarius Payne. I don't know if Payne's going to play both edge and inside. I don't know yeah. really what that looks like. Uh, Jalen Griffin is, you know, it's kind of his put up or shut up time. Um, kind of the same with Eli Adams, you know, CJ McCray has moved to the defensive end. Is he able to, to kind of break into the two deep? I have no idea. I, I, I was encouraged that Narelle Pollard dominated his matchup because that's what you would, would hope that he would do. Um, he certainly played very, very well. Uh, I, I know he was complaining about not getting some sacks. Uh, because he felt like uh, Brent Pry was blowing the whistle a bit too early, but he was definitely disruptive uh, in the game, and that's exactly what Tech's going to need. Virginia Tech really hasn't had a very disruptive defensive tackle since Woody Barron. Yeah, um, probably Woody Barron. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and then you're getting like the Tim Settle, um, Nigel, all, all the, that era of guys. Like there hasn't been a really, really Ricky Walker was kind of okay. I, I thought Ricky was, you know, not as really um, explosive as those other guys. I agree. Solid um, player, but not, yeah. not in the same class, in my opinion. Yeah. So um, who's going to be able to, to earn that spot alongside him? Is it Mario Kendricks? Is it Josh Fuga? I, we just, we just don't know yet. So the defensive line and the offensive line have a lot of questions and, um, Generally, when you have issues on both lines, um, you're not going to be a, a very good football team. And I think we kind of expected that this year. Yeah, Pollard, Pollard, Kendricks, and Fuga up the middle. I mean, I think that's a pretty safe bet in some combination. I think all three are probably going to get pretty significant snaps. And then who's going to line up opposite Tatlin Garba is the question, right? Is, is it Phil Darius Payne, who we haven't seen yet, right? Um, is it a Jalen Griffin? Is it a CJ McRae? You know, who, who is it, right? Like, who is it on that, you know, Cole Nelson, Stretch Carroll, who? Like, there's got to be somebody um, that steps up. My, I mean, Phil Darius Payne, my guess is that he feels pretty good about, you know, coming over as a transfer and getting playing time, but he's not going to just walk in and have that spot. He hasn't, he hasn't been here, right? So, yeah. Um, 
but I mean, everybody's got to earn their spots year one with a new coaching staff. Right. So see what happens. We'll see what happens opposite of, uh, Tyler yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Fuga was a starter last year and yeah. I believe he was on the second team in the spring game. I think it yeah. was Pollard and Kendricks were, were one a and one B. Um, so no changes at linebacker. Um, I'm going to continue to pound the table for Keyshawn Artis. I think it's a damn shame that he hasn't gotten like a, an actual chance to earn a spot in, in, in real games. Um, but Dax and Tisdale look like they're both going to start. Um, Keontae Jenkins probably has the inside track to play at that hybrid linebacker spot. Um, All right. Do you have any, any other thoughts? No, I think we're going to be much more comfortable with Keontae Jenkins in this new position. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what how he's going to hold up in the run game. Yeah, that's a fair concern. Um, Just I mean, he's been decent. He's, he's been theoretically, decent he's going run. to be closer against closer to the box. So he's right. going to be he's going to be matched up against more more guards, more tackles, um, and not so much slot guys and tight ends. Right. And he's been, he's been decent against the run historically when he's played, but it's different from playing the run as a safety and playing the run close to the box for 40 snaps a game. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of Tramari Connor playing safety instead of being on Island and essentially bona fide nickel, which is basically what he was playing for like leading up to this point. I like that idea a lot better. That way he's not trying to stop slot receivers every <laughs> Every down in yeah, the that's, ACC. That's a mismatch. I, I I I like Shamari, and I think he's a good leader for this team. But he is not the matchup you want one on one on the outside. I was um, on um I was on the I was on the Boundary Corner podcast. Good guys over there. I was on their podcast as a guest uh, right after the spring game. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of that week, and they asked me about Shamari Connor. And I brought up the point that he's got a lot of Dietrich Bonner in him, which made them laugh a lot where like he'll, he'll defend the run fine most of the time, but then he'll have like really bad missed tackles. And then the, you know, him defending the pass is uh, a fool's errand for lack of a better term. So he makes me a little bit, a little bit nervous, but I feel a lot better about him at, at safety than I do with him at nickel. I think it's a better positional fit for him. How are we feeling about the DBs, like corner specifically? Um, I mean, Chapman and Strong look like the starters. Breon Murray, man, not not a great showing in the spring game. I didn't think not Armani right. Chapman played all that well either. Um, but given the experience that he has, he's probably right. he's probably one B. Breon Murray, man, he just I, – I, I hope he's had a good spring otherwise because he did not have a good spring game. Um, I'll go up to a bad day, hopefully. Yeah, and, and you know, it is just one practice, and, and we, have to, we have to be very clear about that, you know, when we talk about what spring game means and what kind of real observations you can have because what we really right. are seeing is such a small window – of what their um, what their springs have been like, and right. maybe Breon Murray's had a very strong spring, and he made a few mistakes in the spring game. I don't know, but um, 
I'm curious if DJ Harvey can find a way to earn some snaps. Um, if not, then you start to worry about his future, quite honestly. Yep. Um, Nasir Peoples, I'm cool with him. Um, I, I'm cool with with Dorian Strong. I think Dorian needs to be a bit more consistent. Um, and as we'll get to later, it sure would be nice if uh, Jermaine Waller was back instead of uh, <laughs> instead of being what a, an undrafted free agent. Yep. Um, but I'm not I'm not salty at all. So the 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 secondary has I think a bit more experience spread around the table, but I'm still not feeling all that great about the unit as a whole. Uh, we need to see a bit more and. I don't think any of those concerns will be alleviated until they start playing some conference teams or some teams that are, you know, like West Virginia and things like that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think I think overall I feel better about the state of the defense, the state of the offense, but I think Virginia Tech fans are just going to have to prepare themselves for what will probably be a pretty rough season now. Yeah, Does that mean the Virginia absolutely. Tech? So, I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't make a bowl game. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, it might not. I mean, it, it, it's certainly on the table. I mean, they, they do not have the depth uh, that makes you believe that there are a couple lot injuries. of six games. Yeah. Um, couple now, injuries with that away. said, you would like to believe that with the weak ACC and um, what you think is, you know, good coaching and leadership from Brent Pry and his group, you would think that he would be able to get this group to six. Um, I think yeah. it's certainly, I think it's likely that they get to six. Um, but it, there is a, there is a chance that this team really bottoms out this year. And, and um, I'm hopeful that if that is the case, we, we see those signs of improvement throughout the season to lead you to believe that 2023 will be better. Um, but yeah, there's, there are going to be a lot of stomach aches this year. Justin Fuente said in 2017 that, you know, we're going to play a lot of three and a half hour stomach aches. And that's really one of my favorite quotes from him in all honesty. And I think yeah. it applies across the board in a lot of different ways. And it's certainly going to apply to this team. Uh, this team's going to struggle to score. They're going to have to rely on the defense to keep them in ball games. And we're going to have a lot of, um, a lot of three and outs, I worry, and we're going to have a lot of busted coverages yeah. in the back end. We're going to have some broken runs where guys aren't filling their gaps, and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs this year, but um, you, you have to hope that with a, with a summer in the conditioning program uh, and a, a, a full preseason practice slate that Pry can at least get these guys up to the level where we're not worried about losing to old dominion again in Norfolk this year, which dear God, if that happens, <laughs> I know that I know prize going up against his old buddy in Ronnie, but dear God, please, 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 please. I know too many ODU grads given where I live. And uh, I still don't hear the end of that. I still, it still gets brought up to me on a regular basis. Jeff Collins lost to the Citadel in year one at Georgia Tech, so at least we can't. Yeah, well, do we that. saw how that's turned out, right? So I, I don't <laughs> think we should really use that as a as a as a a bearing for us to oh, no, aim for. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that like oh he lost and everything's fine now. I'm just saying uh, 
it's possible to lose a game like that in year one. Definitely possible. Yeah. Especially um, with Jeff Collins because he was taking over a Division two roster all, in, in all seriousness, right, especially right. on offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, total offensive overhaul. It took him literally three years just to get, like, linemen who can do more than just down block. Um, <laughs> how do we uh, – so I, I I hope Virginia Tech gets the six wins. You know, if gun to my head, I'm just going to say they go six and six. I just don't feel all that confident picking them any better than that. But you know, we'll see. Who's to say? Um, I, it's going to be it, it's going to be a, a tough year, I think. But the one thing I will say is that it'll be a lot easier to watch like the three hour stomach, three three and a half hour stomach aches when you know that the team has new hope. Right, like yeah, new coach, yeah. new hope, like different era. Like you're you're okay with watching growing pains in the first year when you know that your team is not kind of hopelessly treading water, which is kind of where we were at the last few years. Absolutely, that's exactly where I felt like we were at. Um, a lot of guys in the portal after spring has concluded. Nadir Thompson was the latest addition. He goes in the portal today. Uh, Bryce Goodner, which was a, a pretty disappointing to me, considering that Virginia Tech's offensive yeah. line depth is already non-existent. Could have used him. Um, buddy of mine made a joke that he didn't know we had Jabari Parker on the roster, um, and he was wondering why he left basketball. Former, former Hoover. He, <laughs> DJ Sims, Marco Lee, which uh, helps empty out the running back room a little bit. Sean Elder, Jared Gibble, and Jordan Brunson, which also helps empty out the running back room. Um, my guess is we're going to get a couple more guys in preseason that will, that will leave during um, leave during preseason camp. That's just my guess. Um, but we have to address the fact that Taj Bullock is still on the roster. Yes. Which uh, I'm ecstatic about. I, I had, I had written that off as all, but, confirmed and um as we sit here recording i was wrong yeah as as we record right now taj bullock is still on the virginia Tech football roster yep. uh, as everyone knows i'm i am the the um captain of the taj train and i'm very glad that he is back yeah you're rocking your st peter's st peter's everyone high school st peter's joseph's guy I, I mean andrew would be the one to know because he's a he's a jersey guy he's a jersey guy yeah Okay, Rick, let's move on to the NFL draft, shall we? So, Virginia it Tech sucked. Have- time out, time out, time out. Yeah. Hold on. The NFL draft was horrible. Like, from the get-go, <laughs> from the start, um, Ice Cube came out there and started yelling at everybody. The mic was jacked up. Uh, I heard Sweet Caroline approximately 74 times mm-hmm. during the production of the 2022 NFL draft. The draft was a an absolute monstrosity. I, I I I did not like it from the start. I was disappointed just because I was supposed to be in Vegas in 2020 when the draft was supposed to be there originally, and then COVID hit, and I was going to be there for my brother-in-law's bachelor party, which would have been a great time. So that was kind of depressing watching it actually take place on television. I'm like, man, I should have been there. Also, not now, but two years ago. Also, the entire league is sleeping on Malik Willis. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm, Could be. I am getting him in the third round is an absolute steal. 
Could be. Ryan Tannehill is on full notice. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think Willis is in a great situation because I think he's going to be a starting quarterback there. Although Ryan Tannehill has said he's not going to matter him whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, First first Hokie drafted is James Mitchell, uh, which was surprising to me. Um, Fifth round of the Lions, the only fifth round pick for Virginia Tech. Uh, gets to play behind TJ Hawkinson. Um, unfortunately, he gets to have Jared Goff throw him passes, which is a shame. Uh, but, you know, you never know if he'll be able to make uh, make a role there. I'm sure that he might, you know, he'll be able to make the roster, especially if he's feeling good and healthy headed into, into summer camp. Um, three, no. Yeah, three sixth-round picks, Amari Barno to the Panthers, Luke Tenuta to the Bills, and Lasita Smith to the Cardinals. I think Lasita Smith Great in the fit. sixth round is an absolute steal. Great fit. He, he could end up starting there at some point. I'm a huge Lasita Smith believer, and yeah. he is a very athletic guard. A lot of you know Tech fans know he used to play tight end in high school. Um did not have any problem at all filling up that frame. He's very athletic. He's got a good head, <clears throat> excuse me, a good head on his shoulders. He's nasty. He's strong. Um, I don't That's think my favorite. That was my favorite Virginia game. Tech pick in the draft. Like he was a, in terms of guys who got picked and where they ended up. Like that was my favorite fit. You think Luke Tenuta would have benefited from an extra year in college? Yes. Yeah. Not that too. all long. Um, <laughs> yeah, I certainly agree. Um, Amari Barno in the sixth, uh, he's, I feel like he is a complete project. Yeah. I mean, I, yes. I don't, yes. especially if like the plan is to play him at three, four backer, because he's not a coverage guy. Anyone who watched tech football should know that Amari Barno is not someone who you think is going to hold up in coverage. Um, he just, he hasn't shown that yet. I mean, now part of it's cause he wasn't really asked to do it at tech all that often he did, you know, nah. go into the flat sometimes, but more often than not, he's rushing the passer. So, uh, I'm curious to see, uh, what, what people think of, I'm pretty sure Carolina still runs a four, three right now with, um, with Matt rule, but, uh, I, I don't know what he's, what, what he's going to be able to do at the NFL level. Um, Brock Hoffman to Cleveland. Trey Turner to the Vikings and then the Raiders, which was interesting. Yeah. The yeah. Raiders, the Raiders ended up blowing his offer out of the water, right? Like didn't must really like him. I no, like they I think they gave him like an extra 50 guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, which is nuts. Um, Raheem Blackshear uh pairs up with Luke Tenuto with Buffalo. Uh there's someone to watch out for as I like, like that a, fit too. As a, a guy that sneaks onto a roster. Jermaine Waller to the Lions. I think that's someone else that could sneak on a roster, but mm-hmm. man, Stay way, to leave, way to leave early and get undrafted. Stay healthy. Um, Jordan Williams to Miami. Changa Hodge got a spot. I like it. What is going on? Good for him, man. Dude, yeah, absolutely. For his, for, his banged up, for his banged up as he was the last couple of years, I love it. Yeah, z- I mean, zero production was when he got to Tech. but Yeah, uh, none. I mean... It was they, cool to have him around, but they definitely, yeah. <laughs> they definitely saw something in him. Uh, and future, hey, ta- what talented, talented, 
talented kid, you know, good career at Villanova, but then talented when you blocker. have those injuries like that, it's like <laughs> Um, and also Yikes. future future starting kicker at some team, John Parker Romo, because every Virginia Tech kicker ends up being a starter somewhere. Yeah, apparently. yeah, he'll um, join somewhere and make a million kicks. Yeah, so cool for for JPK to go to New Orleans. Um, I think that's everyone that signed yeah. on a roster. Um, I'm gonna go back to this. Like I. I it, it it's really like I, I understand that guys want to make money and I get that and I'm not in that position so maybe I'm speaking out of turn here but to give up on your final year of, of eligibility where you're a starter in a big time football conference and you're playing on national TV every week uh, to give that up to be an undrafted free agent you might be out of a out of a football career within three months because the, there's no guarantee that the team has to worry about for you. I, I find that uh, uh, short-sighted that th- that logic doesn't run for me. Well, that's like, it's, it's, one intelligent. Thing if you're, it's one thing if you're Justin Mutz, right? Because Justin Mutz mm. has not one, not two, but three degrees. Uh, and Justin Mutz has played six years. No, yeah, six years of basketball already. Yeah, six years of basketball. And there's there's opportunities for him, you know, not like who knows, who knows if he, you know, yeah, who knows what he does, can, right? But you can make a damn good living playing basketball in Spain, correct, or yeah, in correct. Italy, or correct. in wherever. Um, there is no other place to go play football. Right. Other right. than Canada. I mean, I'm sure sure the Canadian football league exists, right. but I, I I'm just I'm I don't know. It's a shame because from a, from a fan's perspective, from an observer's perspective, it still feels like those guys would have been better served coming back because they were not third round picks or not even fourth round picks. Um, So it's a bit disappointing, but I get it. Um, And guys need to go do what they feel like they need to do in order to uh, best themselves. Yeah, that's a challenging that's a challenging thing too, Rick, because like, I feel like a lot of these guys too, I think they get, you know, they get graded out and they have a general idea of kind of where they think they'll get picked. Right. But then you go to a draft and you don't get picked where you expect to, or where you think you could. And What's then you're the kind thing? of scrambling. If you're, not, if you're not a first or second round pick graded out, then you're, you have no guarantees to get drafted whatsoever. It's first, second return to school. Like those are yeah. the three. Um, I mean, and I think they do give them an idea of where they think they could get drafted, but you know, there's no way to really know. I mean, you think, you think Brock Purdy at Iowa state thought he was going to be Mr. Irrelevant pick while Bailey Zappi was the, you know, fourth round pick of the Patriots. Like you think Brock Purdy was worried about getting picked behind Zappi? Probably not. But this is NFL. The NFL works different. They see scouts view things differently. So a lot of these kids, when they're told, yeah, first round, second round, okay, fine, you're probably a lot to get drafted. But when they start talking like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, and you can go anywhere in rounds four to seven, it's like, man, these guys really, really don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. And oftentimes those guys who are graded four through seven are, um, not drafted at all and 
it is nice that there are there are all sorts of opportunities after the draft, but none of those are guaranteed spots. And um, personally, I I would rather enjoy my last year at school, most likely starting on a Power Five uh, football team. Yeah, NIL has a has a whole different dimension to this too. Like if you think that you can make just as much money in NIL as you could with a non-guaranteed like training camp contract as an unsigned free agent, like what's your choice? Yeah. Um, Speaking and, of NIL, before we start to wrap this up, too, I think don't even get me started. I think at some point this summer we need to have a in-depth podcast on NIL. Yep. And like what the what the rules are what did everyone want out of this and what's actually happening because yeah. the the jordan addison stuff from only the start uh, the, the bolitnikoff award winner um it certainly stinks to high heaven and mm-hmm. uh, I, I i don't know i mean he's he has entered the portal correct he, he has entered the portal. He has not announced his destination as of the time of this recording, but Pete Thamel came out with a report saying, oh, all eyes are set on USC before he had even entered the portal, which stinks. Stinks. Yeah. How do you, like, stinks, like, of tampering. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then to come back, I'm sorry, real quick, but for ESPN no, to then come it. back, to come back after that report and for Pete Thamel to be like, and other reporters to be like, oh, you know, everybody took an internet rumor that Jordan Addison was taking all this money, and that's why I entered the portal. Like, hello, he would have just entered the portal right after the season ended. Otherwise, like, if he was really, like, looking for another school because Kenny Pickett was leaving, wouldn't if he had just done that after the year, not, like, randomly in May? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any damn sense. Like, no damn sense. So... For all these people out there being like, oh, people just saw an internet rumor and ran wild. Like, this is a legitimate thing that happened. And now people are trying to cave for that. What are you, what are you doing? Like, there's a difference between, and, and I don't want to dive into this on this podcast tonight because I feel like it's all I've been tweeting about and talking about. Um, but <laughs> my, my primary point here, Rick, I know you agree with me. My primary point here is there's a difference between NIL and pay for play. Those are two completely different things. And the two are getting mixed together right now. Absolutely. And NIL is being painted in a light that it shouldn't be painted in. And that's that's kind of where, where I'm at with this. And that's because the NCAA kind of sat on their thumb for years and they weren't proactive in kind of setting some, some guardrails around NIL and the transfer portal. And now you have one-time transfer for free where you can go anywhere you want, which I agree with. I think that's something a player should be able to do in a silo where they could go and they transfer to a new school and not have to sit out a year, you know, for the one-time transfer. I think that's fine. And I think paying players for the name image likeness is fine in a silo, but when you mix the two together, it's a really dangerous combination because then you have coaches, coaches not directly calling the players up, but getting somebody to call the players and saying, We'll get you a huge NIL deal if you come here. That's pay for play, Rick. Like that's oh, not that's not NIL. Not. No. Um, Through the guise of NIL. But see, it's not NIL. but see, Mike. Um, I think clearly you're just not taking players' interest at heart, and I think you are you are anti-player, <laughs> um, and 
uh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, uh, quite frankly. No, in, in all seriousness, um, this is exactly what the sticks in the mud in the industry were warning about. Yep. Like Dabo, everyone, Dabo warned you, and everyone, for it. everyone that was hesitant about just full on NIL, uh, without having, like you said, some sort of framework to to have the system operate. They they said that this could get out of hand, and the NCA, like you said, was sitting on. They had one thumb in their mouth and one thumb in the other place, and waiting on someone to yell switch, and <laughs> the. Um, the schools and some state governments have just taken the lead on it because there's been no guidance yeah. from the NCAA whatsoever as to how this needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay. Cause Mark Emmert just got an extension. He's retiring soon. Out of nowhere. This is what he announced last week. I, wonder I, why. I missed that. that that's, I, that's but I wonder why Rick, I wonder why he's retiring. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Everything's about to blow up. Maybe that's why. <laughs> well, <clears throat> To be fair, he's been a uh, public punching bag for the better part of five-plus years. And now, granted, a lot of it's fair. Uh, a lot of it's fair criticism. So um, I, I I certainly have no problem with Mark Emmert being criticized, and I'm willing to do it myself. All right. You're, bra- uh, you're brave for that. You're brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a stand. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going above and beyond. We're probably about 50 or so minutes into this. Um, I don't have anything else other than, of course, oh, baseball and softball. Like, what the hell? We have two of the best teams in the country. When (laughs) when When did we become a national powerhouse for on the diamond? Like, this is, this is now, now granted, Tech softball has a past of, right. of being really good, right? Uh, but Tech baseball has never been this good ever. No, it's um, they're an and, unbelievable run, and I'm very excited about it because you know John Chef's been around for several years now, and we hadn't really seen a whole lot out of that program, but things are certainly going in the right direction. Uh, Pete Demore has done a, a fantastic job, kind of retooling the softball program. Uh, bringing good players in it's going to be a damn shame when keely richard is gone but an hour right? um you know i don't know how they'll do in the in the ncaa tournament but it sure will be fun to watch and last year they made a fantastic run uh and they could certainly do the same thing uh this year given that they're what number two in the country at the moment yeah yeah the softball team and the baseball team are both going to be hosting damn regionals in blacksburg potentially yeah which is same. Uh, I mean, softball. You expect that's it, that has but... never happened. No, I, I don't think I don't think baseball and softball have ever hosted. No. Um, which this just you know, and I don't want to be seen as a sycophant for Whit Babcock because now while I respect Whit and I think he's a, a, a very good person, um, I've certainly had my qualms with him as a as a athletic director. But Whit's success with the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports, whatever term you want to use, uh, has been very, very good. Um, and part of that is the infrastructure improvements, whether it be English field or the rector field house improvements, but a lot of it's just been on the field improvement and the baseball program, um, has certainly been a huge chunk of that. Getting the softball program back on track has been a huge chunk of that. So, uh, wit, you can, um, 
you can stand up and be applauded for this because you've certainly, certainly earned it. Yep. No doubt about it. Olympic sports have been rolling, rolling in Blacksburg. Um, and I don't know if we necessarily count baseball and so I mean softball, I guess I played some Olympic sport. I know baseball is, but you know, you never get MLB players really playing in the, in the baseball Olympic, baseball in the Olympics, at least not the most recent one. The, um, the World Baseball Classic is one of my favorite events. Awesome. It's awesome. And I, I hate that we don't get it very often, uh, but I absolutely love the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, me too. Me too. Better than the Olympics. Fair, fair product. Yeah. Um, Andrew should be back next time. Next time yes. we're going to go uh, full deep dive into the basketball program, uh, which – all of a sudden seems very, uh, very deep in the front court for next year, but I have questions about the back court. Um, but there's been a lot of moves going on, um, on the basketball side. I've got to learn how to pronounce, pronounce grant. Is it, is it Basile? Basil? Basile. Okay. So there we go. I've already learned how to pronounce that for next week. Um, like I said, Andrew should be back. Um, Mike, you got anything? Basile, good player at Wright State, will transfer to the ACC. That's a question. Average 18 Absolutely. a game last year. So. Tech, tech, you know, lucky may not be the right phrase, but Tech was certainly fortunate that Keve Aluma's production at Wofford transferred to the ACC. Yep. Um, and Grant Basile, if he can do the same thing, would certainly be nice. It'd be huge. Yeah. Uh, again, we're sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy. Um, if you're in Blacksburg and you need Tylenol or you need your prescription filled or uh, you need some tech merchandise or you want to buy a soda, you need to go to Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Uh, Jeremy Counts is an absolute nut for the Hokies. Uh, and you should spend your money supporting businesses that support things that you like. So uh, if you're a tech fan, why not get your, your pharmaceutical needs from Jeremy Counts and Main Street Pharmacy. Absolutely. Rick, we'll talk next week, buddy. Yep.